All right, welcome everyone. Go ahead and grab a seat. It is really good to be with you today here in our building. If you're watching online, welcome. It's good to have you guys joining in. It's awesome that we get to be a church that meets all over our city, but we're one church, we're one gathering. It's good to be with you. My name is Adam. I'm part of the teaching team here at Mosaic and just want to wish you a happy Labor Day weekend. Who, who here is lucky enough to have the day off tomorrow? A few of us. Woo, yes, it's going to be amazing. It kind of marks a, a change in the time of year, even though it's not technically fall for a few weeks. Um, many of you students started school last week. Some of you are starting school this week, and, and it's a pivot in our season. Tim had mentioned uh, that today we're actually bringing to a close our summer teaching series called Prayers of Renewal. And uh, as he mentioned, we have been praying expectant prayers this summer, wanting to experience new life, renewal, regeneration from God. We've been looking at scripture, at prayers that the people have, of God have prayed and how he has met them faithfully, and we have been expectantly praying these prayers as well. And um, as we bring this, this teaching series to a close today, I want to leave us with, with two final thoughts. And then we're going to look at, at a prayer of renewal. But those two final thoughts are, are simply this. First, the prayers of renewal and renewal itself from God is ongoing. It's something that we are engaging continually. We're not going to get to the end of our gathering today and say, well, we're all renewed. That was a great teaching series. Now let's move forward. No, this is something that we're invited to over and over in all of the seasons of our life as we follow after Jesus. The second thing that I want us to look at today and consider is, that, is this. The renewal itself is from God. He is the giver, and it is God. He is the gift. The part of renewal is renewal of our vision of God. That when he renews us, we walk away with a greater, a grander vision of who God is. And from that, we experience new life. We're revived because of who God is. And so we're going to look at a, a passage in Ephesians 1. If, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and turn there. Um, if not, you can follow along on the screens and, and hold your place. We're going to get there in just a moment. Uh, but before we dive in, I want to take a moment just to pray over us. Father, thank you. Thank you for today. Um, thank you that we're, we're able to come into this place or join online and sing songs of celebration, sing songs about a God who runs after us, who doesn't leave us, who doesn't forsake us, who even leaves the 99 to come and find us. These words are encouraging. I'm, I, I'm grateful that they're true. And I am full of belief that you have renewal for every single person listening today. Whether we've journeyed with you for, for years or maybe decades, you have new life for us. Or, or if we've yet to, to claim you as our Lord and say we want to follow you, you certainly have renewal. And so today, I pray that you make us attentive to your spirit and that you do what only you can do, which is reshape our hearts and renew who we are. And we pray these things and we thank you in your name. Amen. So it was about 10 years ago, uh, my family, which was my wife and two daughters at the time, was getting ready to relocate from New Mexico to the Pacific Northwest. And we were living in the Al Albuquerque metro. 
And as we were getting ready to leave, we were months until departure time, uh, I had kind of this bucket list of stuff that I had to do before I left Albuquerque. There's some few things that are just amazing. In the fall time, they have this balloon festival that's one of the biggest in the world, hot air balloons. And, and, and of course, that time of year, there's green chili everywhere. And so there was all these things that we were doing, restaurants that we hadn't gone to that we wanted to go to before we left. And, and I had this one thing on my bucket list that was left, and it was this to hike the Sandia Mountains. Now, you're probably unfamiliar with Albuquerque, but the Sandia Mountains are this very large, vast mountain range to the east of Albuquerque. And Albuquerque is in a large valley, so, so virtually wherever you are in the city, you can see these mountains. And they're on the east, facing the west, and as the sun set, it shines through the desert dust and it turns these mountains red which is why they're called sandia, which is Spanish for watermelon. It looks like a giant slice of watermelon. And it's, it's uh, part of the Rockies. It's a very tall mountain. It's almost 11,000 feet in elevation. And I had this desire. I don't know why, but I wanted to climb the mountain. And so I got a few of my friends together, and uh, we decided, hey, this weekend, let's go climb the sandia mountain. Let's go to the peak. It's going to be fun. And I planned very minimally. It's, it's a very long hike. It's actually over 13 miles, thousands of feet in elevation. And I think I showed up that morning with a granola bar and a 12-ounce bottle of water. Did not plan whatsoever. My friends planned much better, and I was the benefactor of that. Um, but we, we, we drive up to this mountain, and as we're looking at it, it, it seems so approachable. Man, I can see the trailhead, and I can see places where the trail is up the mountain, and oh, there's the top, and here's some switchbacks, and this is this is gonna be no problem, we'll be done with this by lunchtime. And, and so we begin to ascend this mountain. And an hour goes by, and two hours go by. And we're getting into the third hour, and I'm realizing this is hard. I, this is gonna be a tough climb. And, and as we were climbing, the, the, the trail snaked all over this mountain, and it actually at times went down into little ravines and then back up and into heavily wooded areas. And, and I remember feeling and sensing the enthusiasm I had at the beginning of this hike was starting to wane. The excitement I had, the energy I had to climb to the top of this mountain was, was beginning to wane. And in fact, as, as we got about halfway, where the trail was, was much less frequently hiked, the trail itself was kind of hard to find. It wasn't clearly marked. There was moments where we would stop and be like, are we still on the trail? Are we in Colorado now? What's happening? Where are things going? And, and what kept us going were, were signposts that we would find. Little tiny signposts that said, you're still on the La Luz Trail. The trail means the light. You're still on the trail, and, and, and there were signposts, and then every once in a while there would be a clearing that we'd go up on a bluff, and from there we, we could again see the summit, and we could see the city, and we could see that we were getting closer to this summit, to where we're heading, and we're getting further from the city, and it was these signposts and these clearings that kind of kept us moving, and eventually we got to the top, and then we rode the tram down because we were not going to hike that twice up and down. I have found, and maybe you have too, oftentimes journeying with Jesus can feel a little bit like ascending a very long trail. That at the beginning, there can be a lot of clarity. 
a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of excitement. Things can make a lot of sense. And, and as I begin this journey and I pursue and it brings complexity and it brings exhaustion and there's moments where, where, where I even feel like I've lost the trail. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure I'm even going in the right direction I, and I feel a little bit lost in the wilderness that I'm looking for those signposts, that I'm looking for those clearings, those moments of clarity where I am renewed once again of this journey that I'm on. This passage that we're looking at today is a prayer for that, a prayer for a renewal of a vision of God, of who he is, that we see with a growing clarity who he is, and when we see that, when it's revealed to us, we respond with new life, with new legs for this journey that he has invited us on. And so today as we look at this scripture, to be thinking about where are we needing to experience a greater and grander vision of God. As we're on this path, this journey that seems arduous and at times feels like we've lost the trail where we have moments of clarity that God reveals to us who he is in a growing and greater measure. Now I'm gonna read these words um, out of Ephesians chapter one, and this, we're reading this as a book in the Bible. This was originally written as a letter to a very young, small church that was primarily meeting in homes, not very organized, but people who had chosen to follow after Jesus. And, and this is written uh, by a man named Paul, who was a leader of a lot of these churches. This church um, uh, is called, uh, this book is called Ephesians because it's written to the church in Ephesus. It's in modern day Turkey. And, and he is writing them to encourage them and to direct them and to teach them theology and to teach them how to be the church. We get to hear this prayer of renewal that he prays over them and that he prays over us. So follow along if you've got your Bible. We're gonna read Ephesians 1, starting in verse 17. It says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and the incomparably great power for those who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in heavenly realms. What a beautiful prayer of renewal that he's praying over this church and over us. He prays first that the eyes of our heart would be open, would be enlightened. This phrase is, is, is pointing at the core of who we are, not, not just our intellect, not just our emotions, not just our experiences, but the core of who we are, the truest sense of ourselves. He is praying that that part of us would be open and enlightened to who God is, that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened, would be open so that, so that what? So that, so that we would obey more? So that, so that we would do a better job of following in his footsteps? Those are good things, but, but it says no, so that we would know him more that the eyes of our heart would be open, that God's spirit, the spirit of wisdom, 
would dwell in us so that we would know God more, that we would have a grander vision of who he is. This leads me to a a few questions I want us to consider this morning. One, what comes to mind? What comes to the eyes of your heart this morning when you think of God? What does that evoke? What images, what thoughts do you have? What emotions comes to the surface? What comes to mind? What comes to the eyes of your heart this morning when you think of God? That seems like a a pretty crucial question for us, right? If God is who he says he is, the creator of all things, the sustainer of all things, then what we think about him is probably pretty important. In fact, A.W. Tozer says this, what comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. So I pose this question to us this morning. First, what What comes to mind this morning when we think about God? The second question is what is shaping our vision of God? What's shaping who God is and how we understand who God is? There's many things in our culture that can can shape how we see God. There's a lot of things done in the name of God that, that might or might not actually reflect him, that might or might not actually be godly, that can shape how we see God. I mean, God can even at times be shaped. How we see God can be shaped even by our own intuition. When we say, like, this is how I imagine God must be, and he must be this way because this is how I intuitively express that. This question for us, how, how are we imagining God, and what is shaping our view of God? And then third, are we being renewed, continually renewed in the vision and understanding of who God is. This is Paul's request that the Spirit of God, the Spirit of wisdom, would reveal to us and teach us who God is over and over again. Man, yesterday's renewal was great, but I need new renewal. Just like yesterday's meals for my body were good, but I I need new nourishment for my body today, and I'll need it tomorrow. Are we being renewed in our vision and understanding of God? Is it growing? Are we getting a grander and larger image of who God is as we journey with him? A few months ago, um, we uh, were were gathering in the evenings once a month as a church for worship and prayer nights. And and part of what shaped those times was getting to hear from, from people in our community sharing about their walk with Jesus. Some people call that a a testimony, sharing personally about their walk with Jesus. And and, uh, Dave, who is a part of our, our, uh, Dave Zollner, who's a part of our community, maybe you've met him, maybe you know him, um, someone who I I, I respect. And Dave, you had actually shared something that that floored me and was, it was really challenging and really brilliant. And, and, And what Dave had shared was that after years and years and years and decades and decades of following Jesus, in his 60s, he said, I, I finally understood what it meant that God loved me. That, that seems like a simple thing. I finally understood what it meant that God had loved me. And that, that desperately challenged me because I thought, man, if, 
if Dave is just kind of, of, of getting that kind of revelation in his 60s, man, I, I got a ways to go because he is someone who I look at as a mentor, someone who I look at who is going before me. And, and it was also really encouraging because it told me, and God, God has some great renewal lying before me and you. The what I know about God now, he has more to tell. He has more to show. He has more to reveal to you and I and that what he reveals is good and beautiful and renewing and brings new life and is absolutely critical. I mean, if there's ever a season that we need a grander view of God, a greater view of who he is, it's in this season we're in right now. This has been a very challenging season and there has been moments where I've looked at the chaos going on in our world and unending turmoil and I said, God, where, where are you? God, where, where, where are you? Where are you intervening? Where can I see your faithfulness? I need a greater view of who you are. Week before last, our church family had um, the opportunity to go spend a Sunday afternoon at the beach and there's probably a bunch of us who were there, roughly 100 of us, um, took the trek out to Arcadia Beach and just had a wonderful time together. The, the sun, it was a Sunday afternoon, the sun was shining and the wind wasn't blowing. And that happens like three of 365 days of the year at the Oregon coast. It was just such a gift that God had given us and it was a, a beautiful day. We shared stories, we laughed together, we played sports, we made s'mores. Uh, we even got to celebrate as a few people were baptized Claire was baptized. I was honored to give, ooh, yes, it's exciting. I was honored to be the one who got to baptize her. And Claire, that was the coldest baptism I've ever done. You get bonus something for that. I, I don't know. But we, we had baptism. It was this amazing moment. And then afterwards, I was standing kind of in, in the shoreline and watching a bunch of middle schoolers just play in this freezing cold water. And um, this, this, this amazing kind of weird thing happens when you stand on the shoreline. If, if you're back further in the beach where the sand is dry, it's kind of soft. But, but as you get closer and closer to the shoreline, the, the ground kind of firms up some. But if, if you stand where the waves are hitting you, they, they go past. And then as they recede back into the water, they pull the sand from beneath your feet. Have you ever experienced this? I mean, it's, it's the weirdest sensation. It's almost as though the ground is disintegrating beneath you. It, it's a very disorienting feeling, and it, it actually really describes a lot of what this season has felt like. The ground, the things that are firm that I've stood on, that we've stood on, have seemed to deteriorate beneath us. And it's in this season, in this moment more than ever, that we need a renewed vision of who God is. In this moment where, where, for many of us, it feels as though our faith in God is being tested. You might even use the word crisis, where it feels like a crisis to both navigate the realities of this world and this God who I'm believing in, and I need a greater vision of who God is. One of my, my favorite authors um, writes a lot about spiritual formation, and he, he writes a lot about this topic. And, his name is, is Richard Rohr, and um, he writes 
uh, kind of about seasons of life and if seasons of life change the different challenges that they bring and he gives some language from, uh, for when we're confronted with this kind of faith challenge. And, and he's writing more in the context of stages of life, but, but I think the language is helpful even as we apply it to the challenges and the testing of our faith in this season and ultimately the need for a greater vision of God. And, and, and how he writes about it is that as we approach a testing or a crisis in our faith, we're, we're kind of given three paths that we can go. And, and, and the language he uses is the path of the old fool, the path of the embittered soul, and the path that is the divine journey. These, these three pathways that, that, that we, we really choose when we're confronted with a testing of our faith and in need of a greater view of God. This first one, the, the, the old fool, is defined by this. This is a soul that in the face of great challenge and testing of faith, is opting for a more minimal faith with fewer expectations, fewer questions, and less engagement with the person of God. In the crisis of faith, God, I'm surrounded by this suffering that I do not understand. I don't believe this is who you are. This is really hard. I, I think I'm just not going to focus on this. It's kind of the head in the sand response. I'm more comfortable with compartmentalizing my expectations of God. My expectations of God are that hopefully when I die, I get to go to heaven. Beyond that, I don't, I don't think about my faith and how it informs my life much more. I don't have much more expectations. I have these really big questions that, that, that I would want to bring before God, but they, they remain unasked. Instead, there's a pivot of attention to the exterior of life, to the out to the outward parts of life, to the trappings of life. I have a friend, I, I think, um, who, who really has chosen this pathway. Um, there's someone who I journeyed with for a long time, Jesus followers, who had um, just a season of ongoing frustrations that, that were translated into frustrations with God. And, and, and I remember having this conversation with him and him basically telling me, man, I... I, I am so disappointed and frustrated that I'm sick of asking God. I'm sick of bringing these things to God because it, it just brings disappointment. And I think God is actually much more farther away than what we think. And I think he expects much less of us than what we think. And I'm gonna put my attention to the here and now and to what I can control. And so we launched this business and, and the business went well and, and, and we would touch base every so many years. And, and it was here about two or three years ago um, he actually was in Portland, so we had a chance to get together, and, and we went for a run in the mountains, and it was a great time, and for about an hour and a half, he told me about how good his life was. Business is doing this, and I'm traveling the world, and, and, and you know, there's some renown, and I made $100,000 for the first time ever, and this is going good, and this is going good, and, and everything is going well, and, and I was just listening, and, and we went out to dinner, and about 15 minutes into the conversation, I pivoted. From, from his work life and from how things are going well. And I simply asked him, hey man, how's, how's your soul? How is it beneath the surface? Within five minutes of answering, he began just to weep. Because he had all of these exterior things that were going well and success is good. I, I'm, I'm hoping you're successful, I'm hoping I'm successful, but as a substitute for renewal from God, it's not the same. And these core issues, these challenges were lurking just beneath the surface. And Roar says that, that it's someone trying to fool themselves. 
that we can get away from these large questions, from these challenges, if we just focus on the trappings of life. The second pathway that, that he identifies is one called the embittered soul. This is a soul that is remaining faithful and diligent and obligated to the work of God, but not expecting and experiencing ongoing renewal from the person of God. Remaining faithful to the work of God. Remaining faithful, what it means to, 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 to do the, the work that God has laid before us and to be steadfast with the work that he's given us, but to stop asking and experiencing renewal from the person of God. Look at these words in, in, in Revelations uh, chapter 2. Re, uh, Revelations uh, 2, 3, um, chapters 2 and 3 are prophetic notes uh, to these seven different churches that, that God is speaking to them. And, and this first one is actually the church that we, we read the letter from, from Ephesus. And, and this is the words um, to the church in Ephesus in Revelations 2, 2. It says this, I know your deeds, your hard work and your perseverance. I know you cannot tolerate wicked people and that you have tasted or tested those who claim to be apostles but are not and have found them false. You have persevered and have endured hardship for my name and have not grown weary. Yet I hold this against you. You have forsaken the love you had at first. One translation says you have you've forsaken your first love. You've been diligent, you've claimed my name, you've held the ground, you've held the line, you've done all of these things, but, but you've forsaken your first love, the very thing that brings you new life, that renews you for this journey. And doing the work of God, stepping into his great commission and not experiencing renewal from him is depleting, it's draining. Then Rohr identifies this last option, which he calls the holy journey. A soul faithfully expecting renewal from a God. Waiting steadfastly, asking and expecting. Where the old fool does not ask and the embittered soul does not expect, the holy journey is seeking and expecting renewal from God, pushing, persevering, season after season, expecting that God will bring new life in the form of revealing who he is in greater and greater ways. And I've been in a, a season, kind of a longer season of life, where I have been trying to choose this holy journey over and over again. I've been in a season of life where, where I've actually experienced more doubt and frustration than I ever have. Seasons where it feels like I was on this path and it was clearly marked and it made sense and now I, I don't see the path. I'm not quite sure I'm, I'm still on the right journey. I'm not quite sure what the next step should be, where I'm supposed to be going. Where, God, where are you in the midst of all of this? trying to choose this holy journey, this divine journey of remaining steadfast, waiting for God to renew with his very revelation of who he is. Several months ago, as I've wrestled with God in this and been praying over and over, 
God spoke to me with um, kind of a, a picture. God often speaks to me through analogies and pictures. That's why they work their way into my sermons and teaching so much. And, and the picture was simply this. It was the, an image of a full-grown man trying to put on the clothes of a kid, of a boy. Right? As that image is selling into your mind, it probably looks ridiculous, like, like a tight little shirt and a coat you're trying to squeeze into and, and these clothes that, that, that this man has grown out of. These are clothes that are ill-fitting, that are uncomfortable, that, 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 that aren't doing what they are supposed to be doing. And his invitation to me was to get a grander view of God. His invitation was the renewal that you've had in the past was good for that time, but I have something new and greater for you. And he invited me into these three things. One, to be honest. To be desperately honest with him in my prayer life. Even with frustration, even with grief, even with lamentation, to be, to be desperately honest with him in my prayer life. One of my favorite prayers is uh, recorded in Mark chapter 9, and it's, um, it's a conversation between Jesus and a father, and this father has brought their kid before Jesus and wants Jesus to heal him, and, and how he asks Jesus, he says, if you're able to do this, and Jesus says, well, do you believe? And I love his response. He says, I believe, but help my unbelief. I believe, but I also don't believe. I believe, but I'm also struggling with doubt. I, I need you to help me in this belief. Prayers that are, that are honest. He's invited me to remain humble. And to a sense of humility that God will speak to me on his terms and in his timing. And oftentimes, I've got a great idea of how God is going to bring new life into my life and reveal himself into my life. And oftentimes, my idea and God's idea are not the same and it requires a sense of listening humbly. God, in your timing, I, I was ready months, years ago. But God, in, in your timing, and God, maybe in this season where I'm waiting for this renewal, you are doing something in my life that I can't not yet see. But when I get further up this mountain and I have a clearing and able to look back, I'll see something that you have done in me. Honest prayers, humility, and steadfastness. A remaining faithful in seasons where the trail is arduous and hard and not very clear. But remaining faithful in him. I felt like I've been on that part of the divine journey for a long season, and, and maybe that resonates with you, and, and I can't wait to tell you <laughs> where this is all going in my life as God leads faithfully. But I want to circle us back to those three questions I asked a few moments ago. We're, we're going to continue in our worship, and we're going to take communion, and I, I want these three questions for those of us watching online, for those of us here in the room, to serve as a prompt to start a conversation between us and God. What comes to the eyes of your heart when you think of God this morning? Can you be honest with him about that? What's shaping your view of God? Is it the signpost that he has given us? Is it his very spirit, or his very, uh, yeah, spirit of wisdom that is speaking to us, revealing who he is? Or is it something else? This is something that's actually leading us away, that's hardening our heart toward this God. And then third, are you experiencing renewal in the here and now?
are you asking to be renewed and be given a greater vision of who God is? I want to invite you, if you're, you're here in person, to stand with me and to, to take your communion. Um, take a moment to open this. and you, you, We bend the t- tab down until it snaps, and then hopefully the, the top part opens, the wafer comes out, and the bottom part. Just gnaw on it with your teeth if that doesn't work. One of the clearest signposts we have, one of the things that reveals who God is more than anything is what we are holding in our hands right now. That he sent his son to come for the lost sheep, you and I. So I'm gonna read this this final passage in in Romans chapter five. And when I'm finished reading this, we're gonna take communion together. And I'm gonna ask you just for a moment to close your eyes and listen to these words. Romans five, one through five. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into this grace in which we now stand. And we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our own sufferings. Because we know that this suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character and character hope, And hope does not put to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. Let's take communion together. Let's continue to worship.